Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another week's episode of the Veteran Minority Podcast. As always, you can subscribe to the show on Google Play and iTunes. So just pull out your iPhones and Androids and go out to the Google Podcast and subscribe. And make sure you comment as well and rate. And same thing with Apple. Take out your iPhone right now. I know y'all got on your phones. Take it out right now. Go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe to the Veteran Minority Podcast on iTunes. It was beginning to oh another thing I want you to do, please. If you can also email the show, because I need some I need some of your input on shaping the content of the show. I want to know what you, the listeners, want to hear more of, what you maybe want to hear less of in the show. So you can email the show at veteranminoritypodcast at gmail.com with your comments and critique of the show and your and your suggestions. Please do. They're all warranted. Any of them are warranted. And with that said, we're off. So we're at the quote unquote halfway point of the season even though we've all we've played over half the games we're at the halfway point of the season the all-star break we've got 25 games left and I'm gonna talk some NBA I watched Golden State in Portland last night and I want to say this years ago when I was stationed in Japan I walked into a room and I don't if I remember correctly Sergeant Gates was in there and you guys may not know these names but I'm gonna say these names Sergeant Gates was in there. I think I want to say Sergeant Horton was in there, and Sergeant Brown, and I think a Chief was in there. And I walked in there when the NBA Finals was on, not the NBA Finals, the NBA Playoffs. I want to say the Western Conference Finals. I think we were watching KD and the Sacra- the uh, play the San Antonio Spurs or something like that. And I asked a question. I said, "So is KD better than LeBron?" And everybody said with me, "No, he's not better than LeBron." I said, "Well, he shoots better. Yeah, he shoots better from the field. Yeah." She was better from three, yeah. She was better for the free throw line, yeah. He rebounds at about the same clip, yeah. Uh, the only thing that you could argue that KD didn't do better than LeBron was defend and assist. But I felt like KD was better than LeBron back then. People don't feel like KD is better than LeBron now. People are people are starting to come around to the idea that KD is better than LeBron now. And I just want to say that I've been saying this for years. Before that, it was convenient to say. And I want my props for that. Yes, I do want my props for that. But anyways, I watched Golden State in Portland last night because I binge-watched some basketball. I didn't know KD was averaging 27-7 in this Portland this season. But it was a really good game, and that's why I watched it because I figured it'd be close. I figured it'd be high offensive scoring. Dame Lillard did his thing. He had 29. KD had 32 or 10 of 12 or 17 shooting. My Lord. Steph Curry had also had 32 on 10 of 24 shooting. Like I said, the game is real nip and tuck up until the fourth quarter. Portland started to put a little distance. About four minutes left, it was 103-110. Zach Collins had gotten to a little argument with Clay Thompson of like a two possessions before that, or like a possession before that. And, you know, that led to some pushing and shoving, and they had to be separated. So then Portland goes down. I think they score. Golden State gets the ball and they come down. I mean, not Golden State. Golden State comes down. I think they score. Portland comes down with the ball and they give it, Zach Collins comes off a screen or something like that of that nature. He gets the ball. He rolls to the basket and Draymond fouls him. Now, I was watching it live and it didn't look like much. It looked like a foul, obviously. It looked like an intentional foul, like he meant to do it, but it didn't look like a flagrant foul. And so I'm sitting there. I watched TV. I watched it with the sound off because I don't want to listen to the commentators. But 
I watch, I'm watching it with the sound off, and I'm looking. I go, cool. I'm like sitting there. I'm like, okay, cool. If I, whatever. If he just wants to stop the play, and then I see the the officials going to the to the, the counter to review, it, and I'm like, wow. And I'm reading Draymond's mouth. He talking about now that wasn't no flagrant. He just saw if he talking trash. Like Draymond's a trash talk. I wouldn't say that by the way. Like that dude was talking so much trash about Zach Collins, man. Even though Zach Collins was initiating it because he cussed out Clay Thompson on some stuff that can't be said repeated on this podcast. But yeah, that boys was trash talking. But I was, I'm listening, looking at Draymond. He's saying it wasn't a flagrant. I'm like, oh wow, they're gonna call a flagrant on this. I'm like, this this is just basketball. Like you didn't want to give up the easy two, and they did call a flagrant. And then everything devolved from there. Steve Kerr lost his mind. He goes ballistic. ballistic. He comes out the center court. He's screaming on the refs. The refs throw him out the game. I don't know who else got a technical. But basically, from that point on, it was 103-110. No, that's not true. It was 103-107. Then after the three three free throws became 103-110... Then Zach Collins got to shoot two free throws because it was a flagrant foul against Draymond Green. So that pushed it to 112-103. And then on the same play because they got three shots. Wait, really, they got five technical foul shots and then the ball. And they hit a three. So it was it's, the lead got stretched from four to 12 in just, you know, like two minutes and the, the clock was stopped. So that's really where the game changed. And as you know, Golden State ended up losing by 22 but the game really was a lot closer than that and it was it, it was a, it was a bad call the refs called a bad call Draymond just did a, a typical foul you know what I mean just not trying to give Zach Collins the easy layup and, and, and was Zach Collins probably in their head probably he was they were jaw jacking and talking trash had to be separated and all that before just a few minutes before so I don't put it past that there was some animosity behind the foul but it clearly wasn't a flagrant man and the refs called that weak foul. And I understand Steve Kerr getting mad. I don't know if you, you know, got thrown out the game. That was kind of bad. They kind of That's when they lost the game. Uh, they couldn't score after that. But, yo, man, Portland's a pretty decent matchup for Golden State. I was saying, by the way. Uh, KD was always going to be a matchup problem for them. But I was looking at it. I'm like, yo, Portland can kind of match up now. In the playoffs, Portland kind of loses their mind. And they can't play right. But, anyway, going back to Golden State. Yeah, they kind of devolved. Like, like I said, the game was nip and tuck all, all game. One-point game two-point game I think the biggest lead anybody had in the game was like six up until that point until the until the technical foul call so that was crap but Golden State all, all in all for all intents and purposes they look good man they still look good uh, so we're gonna have to keep a lookout for them we're gonna have to without everybody talking about Milwaukee and Philadelphia and uh, uh, Boston which I do think Boston if if when they have the right chemistry, I do think Boston can beat Golden State. But everybody's talking about them. I still see Golden State looking like a well-oiled machine. Boogie Cousins didn't play last night. It didn't seem like it made a difference. So, but yeah, y'all, we're here. We're here. All-star break. NBA is going down. The Lakers are looking like they're not going to make the playoffs. I think they're still going to make the playoffs, but I don't know, man. I watched that game the night before, the night before last, and they played Atlanta. I thought they were going to, you know, I figured maybe they would struggle with Atlanta, but I figured at the end of the day they'd win. And for them to lose to Atlanta the way they did, uh, how like just the fact that they lost to Atlanta, who's a very terrible team, with LeBron, with a healthy LeBron James. I know that everybody trying to say, oh, LeBron's still tired, but he's healthy. He's on the court. He's playing. And so there's no excuse to be losing to Atlanta. So I'm, I'm worried about I'm worried about the Lakers right now. Um, I'm not sure if they're going to 
get it done down the stretch. But like I said, we're at the point where it's 25 games left. It's time to tune in. On February 21st, the the Rockets play the Lakers, so that's a must-win game. The Lakers got a lot of games, man, down the stretch. And like I said, being that, being that they're in the 10th space, they really don't have much room for error. So that, that, that loss to Atlanta was especially bad because they just came off a blowout loss to Philly. And before that, they had beat the Celtics by the last second shot. So theoretically, the Lakers could have been 0-3 since LeBron's return. But not, they're 1-2. And, and they're reeling. And LeBron was saying, saying what he had to say as far as, you know, guys need to step, take a step back from the game and clear their heads and things of that nature. And then maybe they should because Lakers looked terrible in defense. They gave up like 35 points in the fourth, first quarter to the Hawks. So they're giving up over 100 points. A game to, like I said, poorest teams. Trey Young had 22 and like 14 assists in that game. Uh, so the Lakers need to tighten it up. People are trying to blame Luke Walton. People are trying to blame different people. But I, I think it just comes down to the team chemistry. I do think the trade deadline had a lot to do with their confidence kind of slipping down the stretch. I do. I think I think a lot of things have played into the Lakers uh, struggling down the stretch. I think obviously going six and twelve without LeBron, that's never going to hurt. LeBron missed seventeen games, but the game that they won when they played uh, Golden State that counts as a win. So that's that's why it's eighteen. So they went six and twelve without LeBron, which is bad. And then the whole trade the whole trade deadline saga with being in the news that the whole team is about to get shipped off for one player. And I'm sure it did a lot to those guys mentally. And so that led to a little bit of the downskid. But now the trade deadline's over. And for the record, I do want to say that I am happy that the Lakers didn't trade for Anthony Davis. Because I think they have a lot of young pieces. A lot of good young pieces. I think Kyle Kuzma is a young piece that you could keep. I think that Lonzo Ball will prove to be a young piece that you could keep. If nothing else before his defense. Kyle Kuzma is the star of that bunch. I'm sorry. Brandon Ingram might turn into a solid player. Brandon Ingram might have to come off the bench. I don't know. I don't think he plays well with LeBron. He seems to be out of place with LeBron's on the court. But Kyle Kuzma seems to fit right in. He runs to the he runs to the open spot on the court, sets up for the pass, and knock down threes. That's Kyle Kuzma's game, and he's flourishing. And I like that brother, man. That brother got all the confidence in the world. So they need to keep feeding him, and they need to keep Lonzo too. Now Brandon Ingram, hey, you might want to be able to get rid of him for Anthony Davis, but I don't, I don't, I'm never gonna ever co-sign the idea that you trade. You know, four to five players plus two picks for one guy. That's absurd. And the Lakers would have been worse off than they are now. So what the Lakers need to do now, like I said, 25 games left. We're at the All-Star break. Everybody's about to go head to Charlotte, kick it, and do their little ratchet thing. Watch All-Star and taking all the festivities. So that's good for the soul. <laughs> that's good for the spirit. So everybody's going to do that. But when they get back, man, they need to be ready because it's, it's, they, they got to run the gauntlet now. And they don't have room for error. They put themselves behind the eight ball. They're the 10th seed. Sacramento's ahead of them. The Clippers are ahead of them. The Clippers beat my sons last night. <sighs> Yo, let, hold on. Let me take a second. The Suns are so terrible. I watched them this Friday when they played Golden State. And we just don't have any scoring, really. I mean, we got Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton, but they're so young. We need more guys. We need, we need, a, we need an actual point guard to bring the ball up. And we need other shooters. We got inconsistent shooting from Josh Jackson and, you know, Mikel Bridges. I don't even know what he's been able to do. Everybody told me that that was a good pick. I don't see it. The only, I see DeAndre Ayton as a good pick, but I don't see Mikel Bridges as a good pick. Not not so far. Yeah, I know he's a rookie, so I'll give him some time. But I'm very disappointed in my sons. We're in, we're in the first pick sweepstakes, so I hope we keep losing so that we can get Zion Williams soon. And uh, so, yeah, we lost to the Clippers last night. And allegedly, the Clippers aren't trying to win 
But they won. When you got to play teams like Phoenix, you're going to win. But uh, Sacramento's ahead of the Lakers and the Clippers ahead of the Lakers. Everybody's thinking the Clippers are going to fall out because they traded Tobias Harris, which may or may not be true. But I think Sacramento is actually the Lakers' biggest competition. I watched Sacramento play Golden State the other night. Was it? No, was it Golden State? Was it Golden State they played? Yeah, I think it was Golden State. I watched Sacramento play Golden State. I think they won too. I don't know if it was. I'm gonna have to check that again. I'm sorry. But I watched Sacramento play the other day, and Marvin Bagley the third, that young boy is the truth. Darren Fox is firewater. My man, Pen- my man can penetrate, pull up from three, step, dribble, step back. Yo, Sacramento looks nice. They got they got a nice young squad. So everybody keeps talking about how. The Lakers are automatically going to... Are you, are you trusting Sacramento? Yeah, I am. More than I'm trusting the Lakers. <laughs> I think the Lakers' spirit is broken. I found myself rooting for the Lakers against Atlanta the other day. And that was odd because I'm a Suns fan. But, oh, excuse me. But I think the Lakers' spirit is broken for the young players, man. Them dudes, they don't want to defend. And LeBron's not defending because he's older. And, like I said, man, that's not going to bowl well. We got Houston coming to town. You still got to play some games against Golden State. You got to play against Sacramento. They got young horses. If you're a Laker fan, this is your worst nightmare come true because you got LeBron James and I assume that you figured because LeBron James, what he did in the East would translate to the West. And I believe it was until he got hurt and the trade deadline. See, I think LeBron and Clutch Sports and all his guys, they overplayed their power hand on that one. They tried to force Anthony Davis to come to LA. They tried, they put it in the news. The whole hall of guys got switched. The whole hall of guys were going to get traded. I just don't think that was very good for the team concept, the team chemistry, LeBron um, and Magic. So publicly wanting to acquire Anthony Davis and willing to give up anything. And they pretty much opened up. What did Shannon Sharp say? They say he said, I'm opening up the store. You can have what you want. I don't think that's good because that's, that made it seem like none of the other young Lakers players were redeemable assets. And they are. Like I said, Kuzma's nice. Especially, if anything, cool, keep Kuzma. <laughs> I say keep Kuzma and Lonzo Ball, but I, you know, that's why I think the Lakers are struggling with right now. They, so they got 25 games to try to get, get their team chemistry back, uh, go on some type of winning streak because they definitely need to go on a winning streak. They're gonna have to go on like some 10 game, you know, five 10 game winning streak in order to try to put in order to try to surge into the playoffs. And you know, for Lakers fans, like I said, I, I'm sure this is not what you guys wanted at all because at the end of the day, your team isn't good enough to contend for a championship even with LeBron because the East is not the West and the East is really I mean the West is really competitive but now with LeBron's left the East has done got better too Milwaukee I haven't seen much of Milwaukee this year but Milwaukee's balling uh, Philadelphia won last night Boston is always with or without Kyrie they seem like they're a threat on Toronto so I haven't made any picks but on my next episode of my podcast uh, after the NBA season starts I'm probably going to Watch a few more, watch a couple weeks more games. And by playoff time, though, I'm going to have my, my pick. Because I'm going to see, I, I think I can accurately probably predict who's going to go to the finals. Obviously the Warriors. Because I, I don't think anybody in the West is going to beat them. Maybe Houston. But that leads me to my next point. I watched Houston last night. James Harden had 42. Yeah. He had another 30-something this past weekend when they played OKC and they lost. But... Yo, man, James Harden's style is so ugly. Like, it really is. And it's, without Chris Paul, they're a doomed team. And even with Chris Paul, because last year, I know I, I, was, I was very vocal when I was spoken that I thought 
the Rockets can beat Golden State with Trevor Ariza. I thought Trevor Ariza was a major piece. I thought Luke and Bamute. I thought they had length on the perimeter with the three-point shooting. They had enough three-hitting guys, and they had a James Harden that can get them 40 if need be, that they could, you know, um, beat Golden State. I don't know how I feel about that this year. You know, they, they got Shumpert. They still got Paul. They still got P.J. Tucker. But the more and more I watch James Harden, the more and more I'm beginning to think, like, James Harden is the reason why they won't be able to win. Because he just dribbles the air out of the ball. He's not a very efficient shooter. I know they try to say his effective shooting percentage is over 50%. But, like, look, man, effective shooting percentage is a, is a, is a stat. And like anything else, stats can be, stats can be bended and manipulated to... Um, give the desired result of what somebody's looking for. So if you want to look at James Harden as a as a good shooter, what you'll look at is his, effe- his effective shooting percentage or what people call his true shoot- shooting percentage. But I don't agree with all that. I'm looking at his shooting percentage. My man James Harden scored 42 last night. So his his uh, streak of 30 point, 30 point games is goes up to 31. So that's good. He tied Will Chamberlain. Kudos. Clap, 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 clap. Finger snaps for James Harden. Another individual... Uh, accomplishment. He won MVP. Now he's chasing Will. He's averaging 36, which I will admit is bonkers. But is that going to translate into championships? And I don't think it is. James Harden shot 15 for 34 last night. 8 8 of 22 from 3. And I know people are telling me, I know people will say, yeah, that's what he has to do. He still put up 42. Yo, man, you scored 42 points on 34 shots. Kevin Durant, and I know, I guess, comparing Kevin Durant to. James Harden, some people might say, is a bit of hyperbole, but I feel like this is, a, this is an applicable comparison because they're both MVPs. Kevin Durant, in the NBA Finals last year, had 48 points on like 16 of 19 shooting, if I'm not mistaken. And I'm looking at James Harden, I'm like, yo, bro, I'm looking at his stats sheet, I'm like, and I watched the game too, the game is very ugly, because... You, when you go through long droughts, because James Harden is a streaky shooter. He's not a good shooter. Everybody like tries to make, make this argument that James Harden's a good shooter. He's really not. He's a streaky shooter. He can get hot from three, and he, he gets to the basket, and he'll get layups, or he'll draw fouls. That's how James Harden really gets his points. He's not an effect. He's not, a, he's not KD. He's not Steph. He's not coming down. He's not even LeBron. He's not knock down, get to the basket guy, layup. He's he's streaky guy. And when that what that does is that, that makes you go through droughts. So, James Harden had a 20-point quarter or 15-point quarter or so in the second quarter. But then in, like, the third quarter or the fourth quarter, whatever quarter, one of those quarters, I'm sorry, he goes on scoring droughts. He goes on long droughts where he can't put the ball in the basket. And that's not very good because when he's on the court, he dominates the basketball. So, though you can't have somebody who dominates the basketball but doesn't score the basketball at an an efficient rate. Like I said, I don't care about his true shooting percentage, his effective shooting Excuse me, his effective shooting percentage. I don't care about those things because I'm looking at what is. And what is is 15 for 34. What is is 8 for 22 from 3. And I guess 8, 8, um, 8 for 22 from 3 is not as bad as the 15 for 34. I'm sorry, the 15 for 34. I guess some people say, yo, he's just under 15, 50%. Look, man, you can't have a guy, you can't be a volume shooter like this, in my opinion, in today's NBA and dominate the ball like this and not be efficient. And that's what that thing at the end of the day, and we see that when James Harden gets into the playoffs, he struggles. And I think ultimately, I'm not falling for it again because last year I fell for the Rockets. I fell for Dan Tony's tricks. And if Chris Paul didn't get hurt, I think I would have been right. But because Chris Paul got hurt, because James Harden didn't get it done, because Houston went 0 for 28 from three in that game seven, I don't believe in Houston. And I don't, so I don't care what James Harden is doing in the regular season. That's cool and dandy. He might win another MVP. That's great for him. But at the end of the day, I think the Rockets um, are simply not going to be a good enough team 
to beat the Golden State Warriors. OKC looks really good, actually. Uh, I like what my man Russell was doing. Russell, this would this would I this would I always imagined how Russell would be become a indefensible, unstoppable point guard. Russell get Russell, in my opinion, will get the shooting together because Russell is a competent shooter. Russell has never been a great shooter, but I think as he adjusts more to the role, what he's doing as he's as he's using his his athleticism to create shots more for his teammates and thinking about his shot second and thinking to do other things first. I think we're gonna begin we're gonna begin to see going forward if this is what Russell Westbrook continues to do going forward. We're going to begin to see him, uh, the scoring aspect and the shooting become a lot more easy for him. Because, once again, he was kind of on the James Harden train for like the past couple seasons. Where he was trying to, you know, shoot the ball 40 sometimes. I think last year in the playoffs he shot the ball like 45 times. And it's like, dude, you can't have 40 points on 40 shots. Like, that's not efficient. It's just, it's not winning basketball. The way you win in basketball is the ball has to move. The guy, you always got to take the most open shot or the easiest shot or the most high percentage shot. Yes, I get analytics got us, got us into this mindset where you got to hoop, shoot threes or drive to the basket. And I'm not saying that's not effective. But at the end of the day, the ball has to move. And if your point guard, or which James Harden is effectively kind of plays point forward. If your point guard dominates the ball, but he's not an efficient shooter, and he's not, and James Harden really isn't, they try to say he's a good passer, but really James Harden gets a lot of his assists when he drives to the basket, he just dumps it off to Clint Capella or uh, Kenneth Reed or Nene. That's where that's where he gets a lot of his assists. I'm not saying he doesn't get his assists from passing as well and, and facilitating the offense, but more his facilitation comes from driving and just dumping it off. Kind of what Westbrook was doing over his last couple triple double triple double averaging seasons. Kind of just drive to the basket. I feel a lot of his assists coming from just dumping it off. Those are assists, but those aren't really that's not really get building those aren't what I'm gonna call what I'm gonna label team chemistry building assists. They're not getting guys into the game, they're not getting guys they're not making guys feel like they're a part of the game. You know what I mean? Yeah, they look good for you individually, but it's like a false stat. That's why. I, that's why I say, man, I don't. I'm not really. I, I like numbers, but numbers kind of make me mad because you can bend and skew numbers any way you want to. So you have to look at the game. You have to look at how the how the narrative plays out. And Russell Westbrook and James Harden, what they and, and, and James Harden in this season, what Russell Westbrook did before this season is they were trying to be the most ball dominant player on the team, take the most shots, but they weren't good shooters. And what that does is that stagnates your team's offense. And if you're not scoring 40 points and having a really good night where you're coming out and you're just on, then that's just going to leave you uh, stuck like Chuck. It's going to leave your team. Your team's going to end up struggling when the playoffs come. And that's what's happening. That's what's, and, and what got what got James Harden through last year was the D'Antoni system. The D'Antoni system will get you to the Western Conference Finals. But what will get you to the championship is your greatness. And I don't know if James Harden is uh, a great enough player. I'm not saying he's not a great player. I don't know at this point if he's a great enough player to win a championship for you. I don't know if the D'Antoni system, take it from a Suns fan, I don't know if the D'Antoni system as presently constructed. Now, he did. He is trying to add a bit more defense, and he, it's like, like I said, and that's why I believed in him last year, because they had guys they could defend, and maybe that will be the case this year. But I'm not buying it, because D'Antoni has let me down, not only as a Suns fan, but he's let me down now when I was hopped on the Rockets bandwagon last year. So that's it for that. Um... Yeah, y'all, the NBA is back, and it's going to be good because there's a lot of young guys and a lot of talented teams out here um, that are going to be vying for NBA playoff, NBA, uh, jockeying for NBA supremacy and as far as winning the NBA title. So keep it locked right here on Veteran Minority Podcast because we're going to be going through all the NBA stuff. You know what I'm saying? Because, yeah, we got to. But moving on, I don't watch the Grammys. So for y'all that watch the Grammys, I appreciate y'all. You know what I'm saying? But I, I can't watch the Grammys. And this Grammy episode, the news that has filtered into me 
has given me more pause of why I don't watch it. Because, yes, as we know, Jennifer Lopez did her thing and did a serenade to Motown, which I, which I thought was very disrespectful because you could have found anybody else to do a serenade to Motown. Uh, ode to Motown, I pay homage to Motown. There's a lot of talented black artists that could have did it. The Chloe and Halle girls could have did it, I'm sure. There's a lot of black people that could have did it. They put J-Lo. Hey, yo, man, no disrespect to J-Lo. J-Lo's a Puerto Rican chick with the big booty and all that. But J-Lo don't have no talent, man. And we need to stop acting like J-Lo has talent. And that's very disrespectful to Motown to have a non-singing girl on there singing. Because those brothers at Motown, those brothers and sisters at Motown used to be singing. Diana Ross and the Supremes and Temptations, David Ruffin and Eddie Kendrick's Marvin Gaye. And that's, that's just, that's, I'm not even naming everybody. They, they were singing. And J-Lo can't sing. So that in itself is just a big middle finger to black people. And I'm tired of the Grammys, man. You know what I mean? Because ever since Kendrick Lamar didn't win the Grammy for Good Kid, Mad City, and Macklemore did it, I always knew it was a joke. Ever since Eminem, every time Eminem drops an album, he wins a Grammy, I always knew it was a joke. So I encourage y'all to take my advice. Stop watching the Grammys. Um, but though, the, this Grammy talk is going to lead me to my last point I'm going to get to before I get up out of here. And that's this, this Cardi B backlash. I don't know. Aside from being annoying, I don't know why everybody's coming for the Cardi B slander. Um, people are questioning her blackness, which I'm like, that's kind of odd. Because everybody keeps telling me Cardi B is a culture vulture. Cardi B don't ever claim black. Cardi B ain't black. Listen to her. Look at her name. Cardi B's not black. And I think that's very ignorant of us as, as black folks. Because my name is, my last name is Irish. I'm not Irish. You know what I'm saying? I know brothers that got English last names and things of that nature. And I'm saying all that to say, so because Cardi B comes from Dominican and Trinidadian parents, those are those are those are places that have high African population. And to me, from when I first saw Cardi B, when I first found out who she was on Love of Hip Hop New York, I always assumed she was black. Obviously, you hear the New York in her voice, you do hear the Latina in her voice, but that doesn't make you not black simply because your name is a Spanish, your name is a Spanish sounding name and you speak Spanish. And you call yourself an Afro-Latina. And everybody keeps saying that Cardi B um, isn't black. But she did an interview interview with Zendaya. And I would like people to re- look up that interview. She spoke very candidly and surprisingly intelligently on her, di- on her um, ethnicity. And she said, you know, she shouldn't have to tell people that she's black. Simply because you should be able to look at her and tell. Which I agree with. And secondly, she explained that her father told her about her heritage and where she comes from in the Caribbean islands. So I think, you know, I don't know what this thing is with black Americans. I don't know we got this thing where we always trying to check somebody's blackness and tell somebody who's not black. Yo, man, we need to pump our brakes. Cardi B is definitely black. Cardi B is definitely not a culture vulture. You know, okay, you could debate whether or not she deserved to win Rap Album of the Year. I listened to Cardi B's album, so I'm happy about it because I'm tired of Rap Album of the Year being album that most hip-hop, and I consider myself a hip-hop enthusiast, like, for real, for real. I'm more upset when somebody um, who's never crossed into my uh, purview or my radar wins wins album of the year for a rap album. Like I eat Macklemore, I eat Eminem with some of the garbage that he's been putting out. I listen to uh, uh, Invasion of Privacy. Cardi B is cool. I do a radio show, The Kickback, ten to one a.m. on Fridays on WAM ninety point five. Y'all can download the TuneIn app. Make sure y'all check in for that. But I, I, on my when I do my show, I play Cardi B. I like Cardi B's music. I like Cardi B as an artist, honestly. Now, as a personality, we could debate whether or not she's annoying. But all this, she's not black and she's a culture vulture. Yeah, but we need to cut that out. Cardi B is a is a black woman. You know what I'm saying? Who's with a black man who has a black child? Like, can we stop all the silliness? Cardi B's not here to take over no coach. She's a part of the coach. She's from South Bronx. Hey, KRS, one of the founders of hip-hop from South Bronx. Does, is there a song that he did where he's chanting over and over South Bronx? South Bronx. Like, yo, why are we trying to question Cardi B's legitimacy 
with her album. And I, I saw her little Instagram rant, and I kind of feel the sister. Because everybody's trying to go after her and try to make her out to be something that, or trying to take away from her hard work. And I think, yo, man, just respect the game. Cardi B is going to do her thing. You know what I'm saying? It's her time right now. She's hot. She actually can rap, I think. Now, you could debate whether or not what you like her subject matter. Okay, those are reasonable things to debate. What we can't debate is her African ancestry, and we need to stop that. The black, the black African, the African diaspora is very diverse. As a colonized and enslaved people, we we are we have melded and and mushed, mushed, mixed in with a lot of different cultures. So you're gonna have black people that speak Spanish. You're gonna have black people that speak Portuguese. You're gonna have black people that speak English. That doesn't make you or and you're gonna have English sounding names. We're gonna have Portuguese sounding names. We're gonna have Spanish sounding names. That doesn't mean we're not black. That means we're black. We're colonized, enslaved people. That's what happens when you get colonized and spread all about the new world, quote-unquote, and get indoctrinated into new culture. You lose identity of your culture, so we need to stop that nitpicking, man. If you don't like the girl's music, okay. If you think the girl's annoying, that's fine, too. But all this, all this she's not black stuff and she's a culture vulture and hip-hop, that's whack. Cardi B's credibility is solid. You, like I said, you may not stomach who she is or what she is, and that's fine. Everybody's entitled to their opinion. But don't argue with facts. And the facts are the girls of African descent. We need to stop that silliness, man. You know what I mean? But, yo, I'm about to get up out of here. Um, I want to thank everybody for tuning in and listening once again to this week's episode of the Veteran Minority Podcast. As always, you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and Google Play. Like I said, go do that right now. Don't waste a second. You can also get the podcast if you don't want to download it there. You can just subscribe to my YouTube page, just Demetrius Collins on YouTube, and you can listen to the podcast there. As, like I said at the very beginning of the show, please email the show with things that you would like to hear me talk about more, content that you want to hear more as a listener um, at veteranminoritypodcast at gmail.com. That would be greatly appreciated. Thank you, y'all. I appreciate everybody that's listening, and I'm out.